series we are in. Uh, we're in week four or five. Next week is kind of wrapping it up. And uh, as we've been going the first, uh, first kind of three weeks, uh, we've honestly, we've, we've been talking a lot about the, the why. The why are, why are we engaging? Why, why would the Lord want us to engage? Why are we here? I know the other week kind of freaked some of you out starting off with the question, why do you exist? Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, as, as we saw, as we've kind of seen so far uh, in this series, and, you know, as I was talking about two weeks ago, kind of the, the big picture themes of Scripture, as I go from one end of, of Scripture to the other, is that there's a relational God, a God who desires a relationship with you and me. And in fact, in his very nature, he is a relational God. He is a loving God. As it talks about in 1 John 4, it says God is love, one of the character qualities that defines him and that he has demonstrated throughout all of history from eternity past to to eternity in the future is that he has this love for us um, and and he is love. And then kind of a big picture theme we see in scripture that that everything is done. We exist uh, for for the glory of God. And kind of given this given this big picture theme, that's what's that's what's driving uh, driving really this whole engagement project, right? Um, that, that because God is relational, because he's loving, because uh, we exist for his glory, that means I am here today to, to know that love, to experience that love, to share that love with other people in relationship with God, in relationship with other people for God's glory. It, it kind of, it drives so much uh, about us uh, when we understand that big picture, when we're not just kind of looking, when we're looking at the, uh, not looking at the flower, we're looking at the kind of whole big picture behind us. And last week, Lee was talking about how God has intentionally pursued us, how he, uh, you know, he wasn't just kind of random in, in what he did for us and like, eh, well, I hope some good works out for you. But he has intentionally pursued you and me and because he is an intentional God in his pursuit of us, we should be intentional uh, in our pursuit uh, of other people. Um, uh, not, as, not as projects, not as uh, I, gotta, I gotta do something here, but as, hey, God has loved them, uh, loved me intentionally, and I wanna love other people intentionally. And so really the last three weeks have, have been a lot about the why, and, uh, and really now today and next week, we're going to look at, at the how, uh, the how behind it, uh, behind this, right? Um, and I think one of the, one of the, the realities for you guys is, is you live in a very different world uh, than existed uh, 20 years ago in not only in terms of technology and things like that, but the way we relate to people, uh, the way a lot of people think. Um, and, uh, and, and I think I think that's why I believe God is sending you to reach your friends, not sending me to reach your friends, right? Um, While, if you you were in junior high with me, my favorite Friday Night Live of each year was the last Friday Night Live uh, of the year, whether it was Color Wars or Jello Wars. uh, You know, I kind of rotated between some of those uh, Jello Night and things. But the last Friday Night Live of each 
uh, school year, I invite any of the eighth graders who want to share, uh, to share, hey, what's one way they've seen God impact their life or God affect their, affect their life? And every year after a group of eighth graders have, have shared about it, I got to say after that, when I get up to sh- share the gospel, share the truth about what Jesus has done for us, it's really super easy, right? Because your friends, the people there have already heard from 10 of their peers about the power and the truth of God right? And so what they're hearing is not just the, the religion or interpretation, some old bald bearded dude, right? They're hearing the truths of their peers. Man, there was, there was one Friday Night Live, um, this is uh, several years ago, and, and the kid had grown up in a youth group, had just a, a really, really poor dad. I'm not even going to go into all the details there. Really poor dad. And he gets up and he's sharing his testimony. He's sharing his testimony on the top of the hill over there around a fire pit um, for this event we had. And he gets up there and he talks about the forgiveness he has received from God. And then he says, because God has forgiven me, I can forgive my dad. And I'm telling you, after that, when I'm sharing the gospel, I was like, it didn't matter what I was saying. People were like, I need Jesus, right? You know, because they heard from their peers about the power of God, right? And so I believe God has intentionally put you in your world to reach people that I can't reach. To share the truth of Jesus with people that aren't going to listen to me. But you as their peer have an open door uh, to them. And I, I, pray, I pray that we, uh, we would see that. So I want to show you a video that I, I think characterizes, honestly, a, a lot of the mindset. And I'm not trying to mock anything here. Please don't take this as a mockery. But I do think this ca- characterizes a lot of the mindset of our present, uh, of our present generation. So if you would roll that, uh, roll that video for me. And uh, then I got a question for you after it. I'm not, the, the point of that was not to say anything about uh, LGBTQ stuff, and that's a whole other discussion. Um, but my point in that, and, and why I think it's, it's relevant uh, to today, is that, hey, I don't want to confront anyone. Um, I, you know, it's good for you. Hey, I'm going to just, like, support you, cheer you on. I don't really know what I believe. I'm just kind of confused about a lot of things and just kind of whatever Whatever I think characterizes uh, a lot of a lot of uh, our present uh, world. So my question for you at your table uh, is this: Okay, uh, how do you think Jesus would engage these students with the gospel? Okay, these people you just listened to. How do you think Jesus would engage these people? You got two minutes at your tables. Go. Now. Um, First of all, I will admit that I, th- I think this question is a little rigged. Uh, rigged probably isn't the right word, but, uh, you know, when people ask the question, what would Jesus do, right? There's a part of me that I'm like, I have no idea sometimes what Jesus would do. I mean, he walked around and he's like, oh, I'm going to heal that person, but I'm not going to heal this other person. Well, I, you know, I don't know. He would curse a fig tree. Jesus would do a lot of, a lot of different things. Um, but today, I do want to look at a few principles I think I see from uh, Jesus' life uh, and principles I see from Scripture about how do we engage with our present world with the truth of the gospel? How do we, how do we engage in a, in a world that, you know, so you want to believe that, you want to do that, you know, whatever. Um, how do we engage uh, that? Because, you know, I, I will say, I think 
part of, part of our present society uh, very much upholds that, you know, you believe whatever you believe and all that sort of stuff. Part of our other present society, though, especially if we go online, I will 100% flame you and say the most offensive and rude and heartless things to you. If you're online, you can say whatever toxic, uh, toxic thing. Now, to your face, I won't say the toxic thing, but if I'm online, uh, I do that. And, and honestly, I, I think we see uh, there, and, and we'll see uh, as we look at Scripture, I, I think there's kind of two ends of the spectrum um, as we look at the ways that you can engage, uh, gauge with the world. You know, if I, I look at uh, John uh, chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This verse here is talking about Jesus. When it says the Word became flesh, this is Jesus uh, became flesh. God himself came in human form, made his dwelling among us. He walked on the face uh, of the earth. And he says, we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. As Jesus is walking on this earth, he is, he is demonstrating who God the father is to this world. God's presence is, is in a very tangible and visceral way with us. And then you'll see how is that described? Full of grace and truth. God's presence, God engaging with the world, he engaged with grace and with truth. It wasn't all grace, it wasn't all truth. He somehow engaged perfectly uh, with both of those. That's kind of what I, I want to look at today. Let me pray and then I want to dive in. Hey God, I, man, uh, one, I thank you for your mercy and kindness in my life, Lord. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be here, but you're really kind and good to us, Lord. And God, we want to be able to share that kindness, that goodness, that hope, that life, that eternity, that truth with the world, Lord. But we, we need your wisdom on how to do that, Lord. So God, uh, use me today. Uh, help us to see, hear, understand from your word. Teach us today and instruct us so that we can be your vessels and ambassadors for your kingdom uh, for your glory. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, as he says here, full of grace and truth. I think it, there's kind of, um, again, kind of two ends of the spectrum that we can, we can end up going extreme in one end or the other. And the first is, is kind of the grace side, where I think we end up looking no different uh, than the rest of the world. You know, one of the major challenges we all face is we want to kind of fit in with everyone else. We don't want to be, you know, kind of stepping on people's toes or anything like that. Um, and because of that, we start acting like everyone around us. Um, and, you know, you, as you heard from the videos, they're clearly being presented with things that aren't right. But because they've heard so much in our world, well, you don't want to judge people and you don't want to like, be offensive. You don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You should believe whatever you want to do. They've been so indoctrinated with the lies of the world that we just kind of go along. Uh, we just kind of go along with it. 
right? Um, there are so many lies out there right now about, oh, well, sin has no consequences. There's no issues in, in that. Um, there's lies out there that you're defined by your performance, whether that's your academic or athletic or whatever performance. There's the lies about how all the world is about how much stuff you can get and the money you can make. And, and we, we get with the world and, and they're all hyped about their money and their stuff and their performance. You're like, well, I should be hyped about my money and my stuff and my performance. And I end up looking no different than the rest of the world. I, I want the exact same thing. I'm desiring the exact same thing. I'm pursuing the exact same things. And I look like them. I talk like them. And I act like them. And I got a serious question for us. If I were to go into your schools and ask your friends, hey, what's different about that kid? Do you notice anything different about them? Would they say anything? They're like, oh, he's just an average kid, just like everyone else. Um, you know, as, as you evaluate yourself, do you value things differently than, the, than your peers do? Are you pursuing the exact same things? Do you talk like them? Do you want the exact same things as they do? I mean, this, and like I say, it's a challenge even for myself, right? That I look at what a lot of my peers have, I'm like, man, I want that too. It's like, but is that what God would, God would uh, want, me, uh, want me to be uh, pursuing? And that's, you know, it's, it's everything from the, I mean, you know, for, for me, right? Um, you know, I, like sometimes I look at Facebook, right, and or social media, Instagram, wherever you want to want to say, right, and you see all the pictures of people and like all these different exotic vacations, right, and you're like, oh, I need all these different exotic vacations too, right? I need to do all these all these different things just like them. And is it wrong to go to some exotic place on a vacation? No. Have I been? Has God blessed me with different places I've, that I've gotten to go to? Yes, right. But sometimes I've chosen at times to give some of that up in order to care about other people, in order to invest the funds in, in other ways, right? Like, I can't just look at what everyone else is doing and saying, that's what I want to do. That's what I think is valuable, right? Or, you know, another big one at, at different seasons of my life, look, look, you're around the people and they speak a certain way about other people, whether that's in a lot of insults about them, whether that's using profanity about them, whatever it is, they're speaking a certain way and now I'm speaking the exact same way as they are about other people, right? And so on the grace side, we, we end up looking like the rest of the world and we can easily justify it saying, well, we're forgiven, God loves us, it's not a big deal. You know, everyone, God's gonna redeem us all and love wins and all that sort of stuff and my sin isn't a big deal. On the flip side, I, I think the, the other end of the spectrum, we get on the true side and, and we judge the world or we just avoid, uh, we avoid the world. And it can be done in, in a few ways. I mean, um, I think I, I could really easily watch those videos, uh, that video I just showed. I just kind of get an arrogance inside of me, right? Gosh, those people are so stupid. They can't even stand up for a simple truth that he's not a seven-year-old Asian uh, female, right? Like, you know, what are, what's up with these people? And inside of you, you can just develop this pride of like, I would never be that stupid as that person, right? 
And we can look at what some of the things our, our, our non-Christian friends are doing and we can start judging. And we may not verbalize it, but what's going on in my head is they're a moron, right? I, I remember when I was in high school, I knew a lot of kids that, that partied a lot. And I just remember thinking at times, oh, they're disgusting, they're obnoxious, that's so stupid, they're wasting their life. Um, you know, uh, I'll wait in their future, they're, you know, I'm going to be their bosses because they're all a bunch of idiots, right? And... And that's no different than what the Pharisees did in Jesus' day, thinking that they are better, uh, better than the world, better than the, they were, in their days, they were better than the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And as a result, because of my pride, I isolate myself from other people. I don't pursue a relationship with them. We create our, our like holy huddles of, we're better than you. Again, that's exactly what the Pharisees uh, would do. They're like, we don't want to associate uh, with those people. Uh, people. It can be really easy to then just get in a group where we're like, actually, I don't talk to the world at all. And again, I believe God has called us to engage with the world, not to be like them, but to engage with the world. This is Jesus's final prayer in John chapter 17, right before he's about to be crucified. Uh, he's praying for his disciples and he says this, my prayer is not that you, he's, this is Jesus praying to God, not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Hey, I'm not praying God just take all the Christians and put them in their own little holy huddle right in heaven, right? But protect them. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. We, our true citizenship, our home is ultimately in heaven. That's why we can now be ambassadors for the kingdom of God, because our citizenship is in heaven. Then he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. What his prayer is, God, would your truth, would you, what's, what you say is important, what would you say is valuable, would that be circling, percolating over and over in their heads? As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We now are on this mission, this purpose in the world. God isn't saying, hey, just form your own little like holy huddle church group and exclude everyone else. He wants us to engage, uh, engage with the world. And I think we can either get on that, that spectrum where we look like the world in all grace or we judge the world and we isolate them in all truth. So at your tables, real quick, just would love for you to share. When you, when you think or with your non-Christian friends, do you think you lean more to the grace side? You act you no know, different. You just kind of go along with it. Or the truth side, that you kind of judge them and pull away. Two minutes at your tables, go. Yep. Okay. Hey, uh, just practically speaking, as we talk about how do we engage with grace and truth, I want to show you a quick video of what not to do. So roll that, roll that next video uh, for me. Okay. Um, so that's a little what not to do. Um, that is not engaging. That's engaging with truth, maybe, not so much grace. Um, but uh, maybe, would, maybe a better idea would be the simple advice. That, that's a video by the skit guys. They'll be here uh, October 16th. Simple idea. Invite a friend uh, to that. Be a great, great evening, funny time uh, there. And no, they will not insult people like that. More, more funny. Um, okay. Um, 
So as I was thinking about, well, how do I practically engage people with grace and truth? I got uh, six, six quick principles I kind of want to run, uh, run through with you. And the first one is to engage with grace and truth, I need to be a humble listener. Two key words there, uh, humble, humility, and listening. Uh, now, a lot of people read uh, Romans 1. Anyone know what's kind of found in Romans 1? Big, there's big, big, big packs of scripture. Yes, Okay, a whole bunch of hard truth. Okay, great answer. Um, there's a whole bunch of truths about how the world is degraded and it's a mess and there's issues and bad, you know, all this crazy mess, 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 mess. The world is terrible. And you can read it and get kind of uh, judgmental to the world or kind of like, wow, this is really depressing. Okay, and uh, it says this, and if you could advance to my next slide for some reason, I... There we go. Okay, it says, this is the end of Romans 1, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do the very things, but also approve of those who practice them. You know, kind of the world is kind of now in hearty hearty support uh, of a lot of sin uh, and a lot of mess. So continuing now in verse 2, this is what he says. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, and yet do the same things, do you, not, do you think that you will escape judge, judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? What he's saying here is, look, it's really easy to point a finger at other people. I can't believe how bad, stupid they are. But when we do that, that's making a mockery of God's love and God's compassion for you and for me. And because of that, as I'm engaging with the world, it should start with the humility that, man, I deserve nothing, but God has been so rich and kind and good to me. And one of the big things about when you are humble, when you're humble, it actually makes you a good listener. If I just think I know everything and I'm right all the time, why would I even care about you or listen to you, right? Let me, I'm sure you've been around those people that they just speak, tell you, tell you, tell you, tell you, tell you why they're right and you're wrong, right? But in a spirit of humility, we should listen. And so as we're engaging with grace and truth, we want to be humble listeners. Um, you know, uh, yeah, we don't want to be like the, the coffee in hell guy, right? Um, I remember uh, when, before I used to work at RBC when I was working for this engineering firm, um, I was just talking to one of my uh, coworkers one day, and he knew I was a Christian, and he, you know, just random times he would go off on why he thought Christianity was stupid. Um, and I was the kind of guy he was. He'd just speak his mind on a lot of things. And I remember one day we were hanging out, and he just was going off on his like, why don't Christians think, why do Christians think porn is a bad idea, right? And he's like, I like watching my pornography. And he was just like talking for like 15 minutes. Eh, it, was prob- it was probably closer to five minutes. Um, at least five minutes. It was just kind of all these reasons. I was like, this is so dumb. I can't believe Christians are judgmental and hypoc- hypocritical and blah, blah, blah. Like just going off. Uh, me and I'm just kind of listening, listening to him uh, for a while. And just, and he was kind of like, kind of trying to like kind of poke at me, egg me on, like, you know, get, trying to get that response uh, out of me. And, and I, said, I just said to him, you know, Joe, I've got a question for you. 
after you've watched an hour of pornography, how good are you at loving your wife? How good are you at caring for your kids? Because I know that's one of the struggles I have. Conversation, he was like, oh, you're right. But I've listened to him, I've listened to him for, I've listened to him for five, at least five minutes rail on things. I listen to him all the time rail on things. And then just humbly say, hey, look, this is where I see the mess in my life. And I'm pretty sure you see the mess in your life too. And, and that's the, the, the humble listening. Um, not, you know, not going off, not going off on like, here's 14 statistics about blah, 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 blah. And here's why you're wrong because of this and that and the next thing. But just the humility, man. Hey, you know what? And, and sometimes you're talking to someone and they're going off on, on something. You're like, you may not struggle with the same thing they're struggling with. But the humility to say, yeah, hey, you know what? I'm messed up too. I'm going to listen to you and all your problems. I'm messed up too. And when I'm messed up, you know what? I have a God who forgives me and who loves me. Um, and, and so that's that, that humble listener. Um, ask them good, just simply ask them questions and let them talk. Second thing I would encourage you to do as, as we're engaging with grace and truth is that we seek a personal purity. Um, this Something that my family have been reading through Joshua and something that strikes me in all, the, all of Joshua, right? Um, there are a number of different times... Uh, Let's just, we, you guys need some candy. You're like, looking at me like, oh, he touched candy. Okay, um, okay, so Joshua, who led the nation of Israel before Joshua? Anyone, help me out. Yes, Moses. Okay, so Moses led the nation of Israel. Moses dies, right? Okay, and they're gonna finally, uh, they're finally gonna enter the promised land. What river do they have to cross before they enter the promised land? Uh, Mr., yeah, go ahead, Mr. Ellis. Jordan River. Okay, they've got to cross the Jordan River. Do you know what they do before they cross the Jordan River? The thing right before they, I don't know who said, uh, said that. Um, but what they do right before it, it says, jo, uh, Joshua goes around and he says, everyone consecrate yourself today because we're about to cross the river. Consecrate. Set yourself apart as holy and righteous before the Lord because we're about to go we're about to go into land. Okay, then they go in, then they cross the Jordan River. God miraculously, cross, uh, God miraculously uh, parts the river. The priests kind of walk through. You know what the first thing they do in the land is? Anyone? Kind of awkward. Uh, anyone want to? Drake? No. <laughs> no. No. Yeah circumcised. Okay, all the guys that have been born in the wilderness had been circumcised. And again, they say they want to purify themselves before, as they are going, going in the land, okay? Then, um, then there's kind of a whole battle of Jericho, march around, march around, okay, seven days. Uh, what happens at the end of the battle of Jericho that kind of is a moment for them? Anyone knows the kind of that happens? You know, the wall, they go with the trumpets, walls come tumbling down, enter in and they go kill everyone. But something bad happens as they take Jericho. Yes. Okay, yeah. Achan goes and, and covets, takes a bunch of stuff. 
sin, and then they go to fight AI, and they lose at AI, and Joshua's like, oh, why are we losing? God's like, yo, you're impure. Deal with the purity, then we keep fighting. And so what do they do? They, they deal with Achan, they get rid of it, and they consecrate themselves again. They purify themselves. This whole process, again and again, in the book of Joshua, is like, hey, as we are moving forward, we want to move forward in purity, right? Now, here, in, uh, in Colossians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians, okay, it says this. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He says, I wrote to you in the letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and the swindlers or the idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. What he's saying here is, hey, I wrote before to, to not associate with immoral people and you took, it, you took this and interpreted it the wrong way. I wasn't talking about people in the world, you know, that, you know, that you're not Christian friends at school. I wasn't talking about you can't associate with them because then you wouldn't be able to associate with anyone. That's not what I was meaning, bro. Uh, he says, instead, now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or a sister, a, basically a Christian, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slanderer or a drunken or a swindler. Don't even eat with such people. He's saying, look, my command was about how you're dealing with other Christians, not about how you're dealing with uh, the rest of the world. And then finally in 12 and 13, he says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge on the outside, expel the wicked person from among you. Um, what he's saying here is this. There is, when I'm calling out truth, right? When I'm, when I'm con maybe confronting someone with truth, there is a different way that I confront someone who is a believer in Jesus Christ versus someone who is not a believer of Jesus Christ, okay? The, this, what Paul is instructing us here is, if they're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I don't need to just go around and say, hey, let me tell you all the problems you have in your world, right? This is all the things you're doing wrong. That's not my job. It says the Holy Spirit is going around convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. That's not my job, to go and convict everyone of their sin. However, if there's someone within the church, within, your, within our fellowship here, that says, yeah, I'm a Christian, and then is going and doing some things you know are wrong. And because you love them, because you care about them, we are called to confront them about it. So when we're talking about speaking grace and truth to the world, uh, I just I want to make sure we have that real clear distinction, right? We call out sin within this group. But I don't need to go into my school and tell everyone, hey, here's the 18 ways, uh, 18 ways you're sinning. That is God's job. And then as we are pure, as we're holy, as we're righteous, we stand out from the rest of the world and we can go and be ambassadors, uh, ambassadors for God's kingdom. You know, um, if uh, ambassadors, right, are, are people from other countries that come here and represent the, 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 the views and um, interests of that country here in the U.S. or U.S. ambassadors go to foreign countries, etc. Now, if you are an ambassador, if let's say I went to, uh, uh, I don't know, France or whatever, um, but I'm in France as an ambassador of the U.S., I get drunk one night and I cause a big public disturbance as a drunk person there. Not that I would do it, nor I would be an ambassador. I don't know why I'm used to being in the story, but whatever. What would happen to me is the French government was like, we arrested your ambassador we're going to release him back to the U.S. government, but get him out of here. Send him home. We don't want him in our country anymore, right? Um, 
And in the same way, when we are impure, it, it really tarnishes the reputation of the kingdom of God. Um, and we have to deal with our sin if we want to go out with grace and truth. Um, I want to, I want to show, uh, show another video that's uh, kind of point us, bring us back to a, a quick what would Jesus do moment. And this is a calling of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, remember? Also became one of the disciples. Um, it's from the, from the Chosen series. Now, again, the tax collectors were thought of as scum and hated by the Romans and everything like that because they were helping them be oppressors and all that. Uh, but anyway, roll that, roll that video for me, sound crew. Um, so if you look at the account in Matthew, uh, it says this. Jesus went on from there and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. You saw the, kind of the tension there of, of, of leaving and going uh, and what it cost him to, to leave and follow. And then it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? This is that, that judgment. Uh, they're engaging with truth of they're wrong. They're a problem. I, I'm better than they are. They're not engaging with a spirit of humility. And Jesus responds, uh, it is not the healthy and you need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. This is quoting the Old Testament. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not called the righteous, or not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And you see God's intentionality here in his heart. And how we can be arrogant and be like, oh, we're better than them. We're, we're doing yeah. I don't want those riffraffs around. But God is pursuing us. So a couple other kind of kind of points for us and just how, do we, how I think we engage with grace and truth. Colossians 3 says this, and pray for us too, that God may open the door, this is Paul writing, that God may open the door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. As we're trying to engage the world with grace and truth, we need to pray for opportunities. We need to say, God, Lord, help me in this, right? Last Sunday, uh, if you went to the main service, uh, Jim Supp challenged the whole congregation every morning, start your day with just a simple prayer of saying, God, help me have one conversation with someone today. Help me to see someone, just to say, be a friend, whether it's a friendly hello or asking him, hey, do you have any particular uh, spiritual, spiritual beliefs? Engage, uh, engage with them. He continues in, in, second, in Colossians 4, he says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that, every, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So he's, he's saying, pray for these opportunities. Make the most of the different opportunities that come. God is giving us these opportunities around us. Um, but are we seeing them? Are we, willing to, are we willing to take, uh, take them and be bold? And again, it, it doesn't mean that every, every person I have to stop and say, hey, do you know Jesus, you need to repent right now, right? Yeah, yeah it's sunny, <laughs> definitely sunny. Um, thanks, sunny. Here you go. Um, uh, but, but hey, am I, am my eyes open to engage with the world? Uh, number four, I, was, I want us to recognize their biggest need is Jesus. 
As we're engaging with the world uh, with grace and truth, you know what? I have, I have friends that are addicted to weed, angry, bitter drunks, living with their girlfriends, um, doing a lot of things that I'm like, eh, not a good idea, right? These are not Christian friends. But their biggest need is Jesus. They don't need a lecture on their problems. Most of them know that, know that they have problems. Yeah, when they ask, I'll put in my advice and my two cents on a, on a few things. But I build a relationship with them over common interests, whether that's, uh, you know, I'm on the board of directors for the Little League around here, so I interact with a lot of other dads that are Little League dads. Um, uh, whether it's through video games, the people I play with uh, online. I, you know, I build relationships with them through common interests, right? Um, and, I, you know, I ask them questions about their life, right? You know, hey, tell me about your kids. Uh, you know, what are some of the other things you're interested in? What do you do with your, you know, your time? Uh, what's your job? Tell me about, like, I just ask them questions about their life. And as I'm hanging out with them, as I'm talking with them, I'm not going around saying, here's all your problems, but as I hear opportunities, I take opportunities to tell them about why I think Jesus is cool. Um, you know, uh, they, all know, they all know I'm a pastor, and several of them have said, you know, you're, you're my only Christian conservative friend I know. Um, and, and as I'm hanging out with them, again, the first thing, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, here, let me, let me shove something down your throat. But I have a common interest with them, and I show a genuine interest in the things that interest them. And as I've done that, I build friendships with them. And I don't need to change all the behaviors, but what they need first is Jesus. Because Jesus is the power of change. If you tell, you know, just a number of people that I know that have had alcohol problems or a whole bunch of different problems, and the way they conquered those was first God entered their life. And then with the power of the Holy Spirit, they were able to deal with those sin issues. Our, our flesh is not strong enough to deal with all the sin and junk in our lives, especially people that have dealt with years of addiction and pain and mess, right? A good friend of mine, his son, has struggled for a long time with heroin, heroin addiction. And what got him out of that was not some of the rehab or treatment program. It came to, hey, I have this relationship with Jesus and that empowers me over the mess of my life. Their need is Jesus. I don't need to conform them uh, to some other uh, to some other pattern first, they need Jesus first. I mean, you know, especially in the, the issues uh, surrounding, you know, LGBT stuff, those people need Jesus and the grace and the mercy of God more than they do our truth. Jesus will convict them. Jesus will deal with that. And we need to be really clear about presenting Jesus to them. And to that end, uh, point number five is that we need to be ready to share, right? First uh, Peter 1, 5 says, be it in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. He says, always be ready. I should know in the back of my head, if I have the spiritual conversations, what am I going to say? How am I, how am I going to engage uh, God's, with them uh, with God's word? 
I, ha- I should have an answer ready. And in my mind, I, I, th- I think of the gospel in four points. This is just the way I, I always think about it, that God loves you. My sin separates. Jesus is the only way I need to respond. And that's what I'm trying to tell people. Um, you know, if, uh, if I'm skipping real quick, you know, if you've ever used the Life in Six Words app, I mean, it's really, it's really simple. You can download on your phone the Life in Six Words app, and it'll, ask, it'll list out, here's a, some questions you can ask your friends. Um, but then beyond that, it says, here's, you know, it's kind of six truths, G-O-S-P-E-L, G-O-S-P-E-L. I can spell gospel. I did learn how to spell once. Um, but they're, they're right there, and then we're like, hey, I know if I'm going to share my faith with my friends, hey, I, you know, I can use this as my little cheat sheet. God created us to be with with him and hey i have this relationship with god my sin separates separates us from god you know if i if i have this friendship with mark and i start punching him um beating him up that's going to create a barrier between me and god i can't just do it sins can't be removed by good deeds i can't just say hey here's 20 bucks i beat you up you know are we good now it just doesn't doesn't work that way but instead jesus paying the price for our sins died and rose again uh whether that's second corinthians 5 21 god made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of god and then Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. It's not about what I do, but my faith in him. And that it starts now uh, and goes into eternity. You can use this as kind of like, hey, I got this as as my backup because I need to remember what I want to say. That's fine. But have a plan. Be ready to share. Final thing is take initiative. Take, Take the initiative. And this is a lot of what Lee was talking about last week. That God is an initiating God and we need to respond by taking uh, taking initiatives. And now, um, I obviously am a huge fan of church. I'm a huge fan of your small groups. I'm a huge fan of gathering together in community. But if you don't have friends who don't know Jesus and don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'd encourage you to seriously consider how do I engage with people that don't know Jesus? What does that look like? And now, I understand uh, a lot of you ha- are, have been homeschooled and things like that, and that's great. I do think when, when we're talking about elementary school and young kids, yes, there's a level of protection that needs to be on them. But you guys are getting to an age where you need to figure out how to engage with the world. Whether that's getting a job, whether that's being on a sports team, that's full of non-Christians, whatever it is, how am I intentionally building relationships with people that don't know Jesus not so that they're because they're projects so that I convert them or whatever, but because God is calling me to engage with the world with his truth. You have an opportunity to share his truth that I don't have with your peers. And how am I doing that? I would encourage you to talk with your parents. Say, God, you know, I've just been burdened. I want to, if you go to a public school and you're allowing a lot of people, hey, you've got a lot of people, hey, that's great. Um, but if you're not, I talk to your parents, mom, dad, how can, I, how can I engage in a different way? Maybe I need to play on a different sports team that's going to put me in better relationships. Whatever it is. That neighbor in your street that you like, you don't leave your house and they don't leave their house. Knock on their door. Crazy thought. Get their Discord name. <laughs> Message them in Discord. Okay? Mind-blowing. I just, I just close with this. Our world needs Jesus Christ. 
if you know that truth, I want to share that with other people. That's a hope and a life that God has given us. And I don't need to go in and say, hey, your coffee's hot, hell's hot too. I go in, I got a common interest. Sonny and I have lots of common interests. We like sports together. Um, uh, you're going to beat me in fantasy football? Nope. No. Now, I build relationships with them on the, my common interests. I ask them questions. I humbly listen. As I humbly listen, I'm praying for opportunities. I don't need to change them. I need to tell them about Jesus. And as those doors are there, I'm ready and I know what I want to tell them. And let God do the rest for his kingdom and his glory. Let me pray for us. God in heaven, uh, you are just an awesome and really good God. And God, I pray that we would be people who are bold in taking initiative for your kingdom. I pray that we are... because you're really good. God, help us to be that, that light to this world for your kingdom. In your son's name we pray, amen.